So I have uh, two homilies, completely unrelated. So today's one homily is going to be um, disjointed. It's going to be a bit, little bit like a peanut butter and pickle sandwich. Uh, but just go with it. I'll try to make them link up. The Sadducees. Does anybody remember when they were kids how they learned what was important about the Sadducees, the goofy saying? Anyone? Shout it out. Let me hear you. That's right. They don't believe in their... I heard him actually. Wow, that's amazing. The Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection, so they're sad, you see. <laughs> or some variation of that. But that, that's how we remember them, and, the, and so here's the deal. Now, setting it up contextually, remember what's going on is that Jesus is going throughout the region, and he's preaching not quite the same thing that had been preached. In fact, uh, he's kind of creating a, a bit of conflict with the religious establishment, as it were. And within Judaism, there are different sort of sects. It's, it perhaps would be, this is not fair, but it'd be a little bit like how you might have uh, Protestant sects a little bit. But um, in the Catholic Church, we don't really have that in, in the same fashion, but I suppose we could draw a parallel. But anyway, so you have the Sadducees, you have the Pharisees, you have you know, other, other folks as well. Um, but they're all Jews, and they're all part of the religious establishment, and they are basically testing this new guy. So this new rabbi is coming along and turning things upside down. We don't like it, so let's trick him. Let's, in some way... Uh, make it so that uh, we can discredit him. That's the goal. And, and we see it played out in many, many different you know, passages. So Jesus is, is preaching about resurrection and the Sadducees don't believe there is one. And so they've got this fantastic puzzle, right? A woman's married to this brother, no kids, he dies. So she marries the other one. She marries seven of them? That's just ridiculous. She deserves eternal life. <laughs> My goodness. Um, <laughs> so the trick question becomes, you know, who's she married to in eternity then, right? And when Jesus is like, well, that's not how it works. That's not how eternity is. People aren't married in eternity. It's death till you part or de till, until death do you part. It's not the rest of it. Thank goodness. Like, you just got to make it to that. Just make it to death. <laughs> now, some of you, of course, you know, your beloved, you know, it's, you couldn't imagine living eternity without that. And I'm, and I'm sure that in some fashion that happens. But in truth, we don't believe marriage is eternal. We believe that it's only temporal because marriage is a preparation for what comes next. It's a, um, it's a way that we prepare for the real marriage between the church and the Lamb of God. Just as priesthood is a preparation, the diaconate in a special way, and, and religious life, all of the vocations are a particular preparation and give us a glimpse, but only a glimpse, of what heaven will be like. But in heaven, we all live for Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. And so we're not given to one another individually because it's not about that. All right. So the, fair, or the, the Sadducees are trying to trip him up. They don't do it because he just doesn't 
play the game, right? And he basically says, you don't understand what eternal life is like. Now, you know, obviously Jesus knows because he is the second person of the Trinity, but they don't necessarily believe that he knows. Um, However, he does finish by saying, God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. The Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection. And in fact, you would be sad if there's no resurrection. So there's just death after death. There's just nothing or you know, some, some, sort of not, some sort of existence, either non-existence or some sort of existence where there's just blah, you know? Um, and of course, God reveals to us that there is eternal life. Like, even in the Old Testament, you have eternal life. You don't have heaven yet because those gates had not been opened, but there is eternal life. And so this, this was a component of divine revelation well before Christianity, that there is eternal life. There is life with God after death. And so the Lord's focus, though, is you're so focused on death. His focus is life, and that's God's focus. And it's important to note that, that our God is not just God of the living after this life. He's God of the living now, which I guess makes sense, right? Or, or maybe that, that's, a, that's a simple way of saying something that, that we all sort of understand um, or commonsensical. But I think sometimes we miss that part. Okay, so this is where I'm transitioning to the pickle phase. So <laughs> we often will think, well, I'm just gonna be happy after I'm dead. Right? Well, that's, that's when I'll be happy. I'm just going to live in this life and I'm just going to endure it and suffer and all the rest. But, you know, at least I've got that when it's all over with. No, God is God of the living now, too. And not just the living after this life, but the living now. He's God of us now. He desires that we truly live now. And my point is that he desires our happiness now also, not just our happiness then. True, the fullness of our happiness will be then. Everything will be brought to its proper fruition then, but he desires us to be happy now. And I use happiness specifically. I know some people will uh, hem and haw about happiness versus joy, but I use happiness in the classical sense, um, in the Aristotelian sense, here I go again, but I do, that's how I think of it, that living the virtuous life, and therefore when we baptize that, living a holy life is happiness. That is happiness. The gospels themselves, happy the man who, in one of the sets of the Beatitudes. So the Lord desires our happiness. How do we achieve happiness? What are the things that keep draw us back from you know, living this happiness. You know, certainly there are, there are things in this life that are going to uh, detract from that. I mean, there are sad times. There are difficult times. There are true sufferings. There's a loss of loved ones. There's, there's, there's many things that will give us moments and periods of our life where we're just not happy. And those things are, or those times 
are times where we really need one another and we really need the Lord to help us through those times. That being said, the Lord still desires we be happy, that we not live and exist in that state longer than we need to. There's a period of mourning and then there's a time to let that go. How that, that's different for everyone. But the other thing that I notice that gets in the way um, of this happiness, and, and you see it particularly this time of the year, you see it every two years. So I'm watching football yesterday, as I do, as I did Friday and Thursday, Monday, today. Why don't they have football on Wednesdays or Tuesdays? That would really make my day complete. Anyway, or my week. So I'm watching football yesterday, just enjoying the game. And normally when it gets to the commercial, I always hit mute because I, you know, that should be obvious. And, but I, I, I couldn't find the remote. And it was like four commercials in a row. And it was all about the election. And it was all about fear. It was all fear. If you vote for that guy, be afraid. Vote for me. <laughs> then you don't have to be afraid. And then the next one comes on. No, don't for that, vote for that guy. You should be very afraid if they win or woman or whatever. It doesn't matter. You get my point. But all of them fear-based. All of them fear-based. In our political climate, it's been this way for a while. But not just, you know, the political advertisements, but even, you know, watching the news, et cetera, the, the commentary shows, it's all fear-based. Be afraid. And what I want to tell you today, and this is really important, is fear is not of God. It is godless. Fear is not of God. As Christians, we ought not live in fear. We don't need to because Jesus Christ is Lord. And you might say, but Father, the world's going to you know where. Yeah, so what? It's God's world anyway. He'll figure it out. Let it go. Well, but let it go. Do what you can and let it go. Place your vote, vote, hope that it works out. And when has it? Don't answer the question. <laughs> but when has politics ever really fixed our lives? Politicians, they don't, they can't. Jesus can fix our life. Now, Voting matters, that's not my point. My point is the fear-based messaging is manipulative and it's godless. It is not of God and we should not give into it. But it doesn't end with politics and both sides use it. I'm not picking on anyone, I'm picking on all of them. And by the way, it works because we let it work. Because we let it work. And I hear this all the time from you all that, you know, especially during election time, right? It really gets elevated. Well, of course it does. They're all trying to manipulate people to vote for them. And the easiest way to manipulate is fear, guilt and fear. But fear works particularly well for politics, but it doesn't end with politics. You can go back and you can look at many eras of the church where the church used fear and guilt to, you know, to manipulate people into behavior. It's coercive. 
It's coercive, both guilt and fear, coercive. It doesn't respect another person's dignity and it doesn't elicit from them true freedom. It's not of God. And when the church focuses on that, and not just the Catholic church, other churches do it too. Do you know why? Because it's easy. Because if I got up here and preached to you about all of the things you should be afraid of if you don't conform your lives to Jesus, I can coerce a lot of behavior, or I could, you know, I mean, I could try, but it would have an effect. It's easy though, but it doesn't last. And the reason it doesn't last is because it doesn't uphold your dignity, it doesn't uphold your freedom, and it's not of God who tells us, do not live in fear. Fear is useless, what is needed is trust. But it doesn't end with the church. As parents, what motivates your children the easiest? Fear and guilt. And you can do that. And I'm sure that, and you're like, Father, you're not a parent. I'm like, I get it. Fair, fair point. But I got to deal with your kids. And they grow up and I got to deal with them. <laughs> the fear and guilt, it just, it builds up resentment toward the parents inevitably because it ought to. Now, consequences, discipline, yes, that all matters. It's important. You should discipline your children. I, I'm encouraging it. Um, <laughs> that sounds bad. But I mean, it's, it's important. You know, it's important that kids learn discipline. Absolutely. Consequences for behavior. But motivating them out of guilt and fear, as opposed to motivating them toward the good and virtue and happiness. Why follow God? Why follow God's laws? Why, why follow mom and dad's laws? Because it leads to freedom and goodness and virtue and maturity. Well, Father, they don't always understand that. I know. I know that. But it's, it's such a different lens. It's, and it does not build resentment. And I see this all the time with, within families. You know, we've, we've all gone through that process. And that process of breaking away and the holding on to things very often comes from mom and dad using too much fear and guilt because it doesn't uphold the dignity of the human person, it doesn't uphold their freedom, and it's not of God. So brothers and sisters, no matter how we connect this dynamic of fear that exists in the world, it's there, it's clear, it's obvious but we need not be controlled or motivated or manipulated by it. Our freedom lies in Jesus Christ. He is Lord of the world. It truly doesn't matter what happens in the election. You might say, well, it might matter a little bit. Well, it does matter a little bit, but in the end, I'm a priest, okay? I'm not thinking about just the economy, although I've been thinking about it recently. <laughs> I'm not blind to it. You know, I got a 401k, but... Um, so, right, I mean, there's practicalities. But in the end, it's not what we should be living for. And as a priest, that's my, my orientation. I'm trying to stay focused there myself, and I'm trying to keep us focused there too. Deal with the world, be smart and prudent, do the best we can, and then trust God. But don't give in to fear. It's his world, it's his creation, it's his existence, and he'll figure it out. 
but we're going to live in freedom and joy. And we're going to do that together because that is of God. Please stand.